You know what I've realized in the last two weeks that I've been gone? For an adult person with a steady job, responsibilities, and a 401k, I say the phrase up your butt and around the corner way too often. Welcome back to the Atomic Skull Podcast. I am your host, everybody and their mother. (laughs) The last thing I read before I started recording was an article about how, and I quote, everybody and their mother has a podcast now. Nothing kills your spirit more than a blatant reminder of how not special or unique you are. Wake up, Billy Joe Armstrong, everybody. September is over and spooky season is officially here. It's that magical time of year where I come off just a pubic hair less creepy for all the weird shit that I'm into. And you can bet your candy corn stuffed ass we're going to be digging in. Holy fuck. Holy fucking fuck. The shit I missed during my time away was absurd. And I have to start right up top with... Slutty McSluttenstein, the mayor of Slutzenburg, which is 20 miles outside of Slutsville, in case anyone needs a point of reference. Actually, now that I think about it, Slutsville sound like it would be a hell of a party. But I digress. We're going to talk about Adam Levine, y'all. So Mrs. What's-Her-Name is all about Adam Levine. Adam Levine is her Pete Davidson. She knows she shouldn't find him hot, but the fact that she shouldn't is kind of the reason that she does. And, oh boy, did she go all in on the victim blaming real quick when the whole story broke. I should also mention that she was pretty sloshed at the time, so it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction for her drunk ass to immediately defend her mans, which is hard to do in this particular situation. I will say this, and I think I'm blatantly ripping off an Eddie Murphy bit here, but I don't care if... Adam's wife's pussy shoots sparks and has a red cape with a big S on the back coming out of it. How could anyone think they would turn Adam Levine into a one-woman man? The dude is a walking cold sore. Not that I blame her at all. For serious, I'm sure he spent literal hours trying to convince her he wouldn't get any juice while he was on the road. And the fact that she bought all his bullshit clearly proves that she doesn't actually listen to his band's music at all. Every Maroon 5 album should just be called Sorry for Being a Skank. Adam Levine sings about fucking like Adele sings about heartbreak. And don't get me wrong, I do feel really bad for his wife, man. I don't feel bad for the other young lady who is trying to convince everyone that she wasn't at fault for anything, but she knew exactly what she was doing. And throughout this entire thing, I'm sure Adam is just thinking, oh my god, everyone's talking about me again. Turd. That being said, Mrs. What's-Her-Name promised she would make me chicken verde chilaquiles if I mentioned that she would have no problem with Adam Levine sliding into her DMs at any time, in case he ever ends up listening to this shit show for some stupid reason. I know that all sounds wholesale fucked up, but my dudes, she makes really good chilaquiles, and I am not sorry. Before I get to other shit, I want to talk about how I spent my summer vacation. Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I went on a cruise down to Mexico, and we had a blast. We got the unlimited alcoholic drink package while we were on the boat, and the house definitely lost its advantage there. I can't believe anywhere would offer 
an unlimited alcoholic drink package. We had more drinks than Nick Cannon's Got Kids. There was a point when the bartenders at one of the 14 bars on the ship, we got a drink at every single bar, by the way, told us that we had both maxed out our hourly limit for free drinks. Look at me now, Mom. So they had music trivia on the boat. They had a couple of them. The first one was a classic rock trivia, which I got all of except for one. I'm very bitter and I don't really want to talk about it right now. There was another one where it was a 2000s music trivia. And there was a a couple things about that that I want to go over. First, there was an obnoxiously annoying drunk bitch, surprisingly not Mrs. What's-Her-Name, that was singing all the songs and yelling all the titles as they were playing snippets during the trivia. People were literally booing this woman for yelling out each of the song titles, and she was so shmammered, she didn't even notice. She just kept doing it like nobody else was there. She was drunk like nobody was watching. I know that seems like not a big deal, right? It's music trivia on a cruise ship. And I say this with all the love in the world, by the way, truly. I hope that twat fell off the side of the boat and got chopped up in some sort of propeller that the boat probably doesn't have. Meanwhile, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story. I'm so ashamed, but goddammit, I am going to tell this story. During the music trivia, there was a song played that only I knew. The host of the trivia even thought that no one would know it. And I raised my hand. I said, yeah, I've heard this song. The song was New Shoes by Paolo Nutini. When it got to the end of the trivia and he gave us all of the answers, he said New Shoes, but there were, the artist was someone I had never heard of before. I knew he was wrong, but I didn't want to say any, I didn't want to be that guy. At least I didn't want to be that guy at the moment in front of everybody. So I waited until the end, which the part that sucks is I tied with somebody. We tied with someone. Had the host actually knew what he was doing and knew the right artist, we would have won. Damn it. But but afterwards, I went up to him and I'm... I feel so, but he was the sweetest, sweetest dude, but I carried the shit out of him. And I'm, I still feel really, but I was, you know, excuse me here. The song that you mentioned is New Shoes by Paolo Nutini, and he is an Italian singer-songwriter. I am very familiar with all of his work. And in the future, when you do these things, you need to make sure that you have the appropriate song titles and artists. I feel so bad, you guys. I didn't go that far, but I did mention that he was wrong. And again, it's trivia on a cruise ship. I was drunk. It shouldn't matter. But music matters to me. Send me your hate mail. Podcast at gmail.com. Send me the hate mail. Please shame me. I feel terrible for doing it. I still feel really bad for doing it. But I can't not speak up when I feel like something is wrong. So there was karaoke on the ship. And we did go, he said, surprising nobody. The very first performance on the very first night of karaoke that we saw was a missionary sex-having, mayo-spreading, 
Dunder Mifflin loving white girl singing Don't Stop Believin' because of course she did. And the only journey I wanted to take was to the bathroom to barf my fucking guts out. We didn't stay long. I will say the best performance we saw, picture Santa Claus. If he lived in Florida and followed the Grateful Dead on tour for most of the late 80s, this dude has done acid more times than I've said the word acid. He sang Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry, and he tore the house down. What a hero. The last thing that I want to mention about the cruise is all of the old white people on scooters. I have had it with old people on scooters. I literally lost count of the number of times my foot got ran over by an old person that didn't give a shit about anyone else around them. I feel like I should be saying, man, I can't wait to get to that age where I could not really care about. I don't like not caring about other people. I like that I give a shit about the people around me. And if that's how it's going to be, I hope I die before I get old. A good time was had by all. My liver and I aren't speaking to each other right now. I think it filed a police report for domestic abuse. We may end up on an episode of Cops. So look forward to me plugging that on a future podcast episode. Uh, Ryan Reynolds didn't happen to announce anything incredibly fucking awesome while I was away, did he? I hate Ryan Reynolds so much. Not only is he stupidly good-looking, he has charm, he has charisma, he is incredibly funny. Anytime I see an annoyingly good-looking man, my bitterness immediately kicks in, and my first thought is, yeah, well, you know what, I'm funnier than him. I can't do that with Ryan Reynolds, that ass. <laughs> he is hysterical, he's self-aware, and best of all, he knows his audience. And the reason why he knows his audience is because he is his audience. He's a fan, just like the rest of us. He has no business being that sexy and that relatable. It's like he's just as excited to see Deadpool with all the other Marvel characters as 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 all of us are. This is a quick Marvel ho alert, by the way, but this is definitely more of a Reynolds ho alert overall. The way he brought in Hugh Jackman in that video was absolute genius. If you haven't watched the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool 3 announcement video, shame on you, but also get on it because it was funny from front to back. We are going to get more Wolverine. We are going to get Deadpool in the MCU. There is no way this new movie is going to be anything less than brilliant. Ryan Reynolds is so amazing that he even dated Alanis Morissette for like four years. I think they got engaged. And when they broke up, the couple of songs that Alanis wrote about him were actually kind of nice. I really, really hate that man. Call me. One thing about Ryan Reynolds that I genuinely don't like, it's not really his fault, but it's his gin. I need to backtrack myself from a couple of episodes ago a little bit. I learned something about myself on the cruise. I ordered many, many, very butch, masculine 
strawberry daiquiris. And I realized that I can have run just fine as long as it's in a strawberry daiquiri. What I definitely cannot have any more of is gin. That is a liquid no thanks for me. So I am going to change my answer from a couple episodes from rum being the drink that I can't have to gin. I'm not going to, I'm just not even going to try anymore. I will have gin in a Long Island. I think gin's in a Long Island. I'll have it in a Long Island. That is it. A couple of other things that I got to do the last few weeks, I saw that David Bowie documentary, Moonage Daydream, and it was beautiful. It was produced by Live Nation Films, which first, I didn't even realize was a thing. And second, I'm surprised I didn't get charged like $38 in convenience fees for my $15 ticket. The movie, it wasn't even narrated. There wasn't a cohesive story to it. It was made up of old footage of Bowie throughout his career that was shot by his team and his friends. I would love to be able to recommend it to everyone because it's super insightful into his life and his art and the way that he viewed the world. But truth is, you need to be not only a fan of music, but specifically a fan of Bowie to really appreciate it. There were several people who walked out of the theater because they did not get it. Also, I certainly would never recommend any kind of drug use for anyone, ever, ever. But if you happen to see the motion picture while maybe tossing the devil's lettuce or tripping the devil's balls, I don't think you would be remotely disappointed. Okay? We good there? I want to move on because Live Nation is charging me a fee just for talking about the movie. I also got to see Avatar again in IMAX 3D. It is the same as it was when I saw it the first time. Gorgeous, preachy about the environment, and no real substance. There's nothing wrong with that. I dated a few girls just like that in my 20s. Whenever I watch a movie, I ask myself two very specific questions. Why does this movie need to be made, and why am I watching it? Sometimes the movie is pure, beautiful cinema. Sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes it's an escape. Sometimes it has something meaningful to say. And sometimes it's just a hot girl at a bar. I'm not really listening, but I am still paying full attention. Speaking of hotties, I did see Michael Buble, just like I said I would, and it was glorious. I posted a reel on the Instagrams Uh, on the podcast. Thank you if you already follow and you've seen it. If you do not follow at Atomic Skull Podcast, uh, please watch it. I have a ton of videos that I wanted to post from the show, but literally all of them feature my drunk, obnoxious singing voice that I do not want to subject everyone to. I would like to apologize to people both in front and behind me at the show. I was taken out for raspberry margaritas beforehand, and I was pretty fucky by the time I got to my seat. But also, fuck you. It wasn't like a Vivaldi Four Seasons concerto. Side note for all you fellow music shitheads out there. 
you can catch me rocking out to the autumn movement of Vivaldi's Four Seasons often, which is a beautiful piece of music, and I won't be taking any notes on that. Speaking of possibly a beautiful piece of music, I'm really bad at segues. I've gotten feedback. I think I've talked about this already. I I can't, you guys. We're gonna. I'm gonna tackle segues later. I'm not gonna be. I'm just gonna be talking about whatever I have in front of me on my notes and whatever happens to be on my brain. So segues can suck my dick until I get a little better at them. Apparently, Mariah Carey recorded a grunge album. Did you hear about this? Sometime in the '90s, <laughs> she recorded some shit with a grunge band, and I think it's gonna get released soon. I have never been more excited and terrified at the same time in my life. What if it's actually good? Can you imagine? It like reboots her career. She records a grunge version of All I Want for Christmas is You. She moves to Seattle, marries Courtney Love. That would be one hell of a twist on this year's bingo card. You know, I am going to knock out the best and worst of the last couple weeks before I Halloween myself all over your guys' ear holes. For best of the week, I am so excited that they are officially making a community movie. They announced it finally. First, if you have never watched Community, I cannot recommend it enough. It is the one thing that I think is on like every single streaming platform. Watch it. The show is filled with heart and awesomeness and literally some of the funniest shit that I have ever seen. It is a very fourth wall show. It's very aware of itself and its relationship with the audience. And there was a scene in, I want to say season two, where they mention six seasons in a movie about a TV show, which they were clearly kind of talking about their show. They wanted the show to last for six seasons in a movie. And after the show actually made it six seasons, everybody campaigned. The cast, uh, a lot of the directors of the show, crew, guest stars, uh, the creator, Dan Harmon, campaigned for it. When Rick and Morty first came out, which uh, Dan Harmon also created with Justin Roiland. I I like Rick and Morty, by the way. Rick and Morty is just fine. I kind of fell off because the fan base ruined the show. But when the show first caught on and started getting super popular and was everywhere, my first thought was, fuck yeah, we are getting a community movie. I think I mentioned community in a previous episode, maybe one or two of them ago. I remember going on a little bit of a tangent about how tough the show is for me to watch, despite how much I love it. But I also think I may have cut that out of the episode because it got a little close. Maybe I left it in. I don't know. I literally do not have time to look back in my darkest timeline and find out. You may be wondering how a TV show could put me in such a weird place because it makes me laugh, but also makes me sad. And I'll admit saying it out loud even makes me think I'm a damn fucking fool. But I'm going to go all Abed on it and I'm going to explain how this can happen by talking about a movie that has nothing to do with the show. It is an emotionally intense flick out of Hong Kong called Chungking Express. 
it was made in the mid 90s sometime. I want to say like 95, 94, 95, somewhere around there. Asian movies between like 1992 and 2004. Man, there are some fucking masterpieces in there. Jet Li, Spirited Away, Miyazaki, Jackie Chan. I love Rumble in the Bronx, one of my favorite action movies. John Woo, Old Boy, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Shit, man. All movies that should be watched by everybody all the time, always. So Chunking Express, it is about a police officer who falls in love with this girl. And the movie tells separate stories about the officer and then about the girl. And the stories are tied together by the song California Dreamin', which is played several times throughout the movie. And each time it's played, it it makes you feel everything, every single emotion with this one song, just based on everything that's going on around the song in the scene there is one one scene where the song makes you angry there's another scene where it makes you sad there's another scene where the song comes on and makes you exuberantly happy all these like key moments in the characters lives both painful and beautiful the song just happens to be there and they basically portray it as another character in the movie that's kind of how the show community is for me there's a lot of really important times in my life and really important people that I've met because of that show in a weird-ass way. I know that sounds bizarre, but it's a key part of relationships of all kinds in my life. And the first thing I wanted to do when I read the news about the movie was reach out to all of these people that still means so much to me so we could share the joy that they're finally making that movie that we've always like joked about and hoped for but (sighs) most of them maybe all of them they don't really want to hear from me so much these days so that amazing silver lining of the movie being announced definitely has a touch of gray the worst of the week for me is trevor noah leaving the daily show that is sad, but it it feels like the right time. I have watched The Daily Show since it first started when Craig Kilborn was the host. Craigers was really funny, but when Jon Stewart took over, obviously the program went into the fucking stratosphere. I'm a lifelong Jon Stewart fan. I've known him since he was doing stand-up in the early 90s. And I've always thought he was hysterical. When Jon Stewart left and Trevor Noah, who I'd never even heard of, took over, he had some big-ass shoes to fill and he did it fearlessly. And he did it with courage and confidence. He did it in his own way. I love seeing how Trevor made the show his own and how much sharper he's gotten over the years. I admire all of that about him so much. I don't watch the show quite as often as I used to, so shame on me, but I did notice that after COVID lockdown started and he and Trevor was recording from home, his heart kind of stopped being in the show. I I don't know if I could feel that. He started doing a lot more stand-up tours all over the world and I could tell that's kind of where his heart was. He was his heart was on the road. I'm glad he's doing what he wants to do. That's incredible. It's sad that he's leaving. It's always sad when people leave shows that 
you know, made their name. And I already feel sorry for whoever's going to sit in that chair after him. They've also got some really big shoes to fill. Now that we've got all that out of the way, let's get to some creepy shit. I am going to be starting a four-part series here throughout the entire month of October called the ABCs of Halloween. What I'm going to be doing is going through each letter of the alphabet, and I'm going to go through something that is Halloween-related that I love or maybe that I don't love. We'll see how that goes. And just kind of talk about it and make some dick jokes about it, and we're going to see how it works out. We are going to start with A, because unless unless I'm not mistaken, I really feel like that's the beginning of the alphabet. Is it still A? Is it A? I'm not even, I don't, there's nobody else here. I'm not really actually talking to anybody. A is for Adam's family. I loved the Adam's family. When I was a kid, I watched the old school show. I watched it because Frank Gorshin was Gomez Adams. And I love Frank Gorshin as the Riddler in the old school Adam West Batman. Loved the Adams family, loved all the characters in that old black and white show. When the Barry Sonnenfeld movie came out in the early 90s, that is when I definitely jumped on the Adams train. The movie was macabre, it was dark, it was hysterically funny, it was gothic. MC Hammer wrote a banger for that movie called The Adams Groove. It's it's the worst song you're ever going to hear. So go listen to it and enjoy yourself. I dare you to find two actors in any movie that have better chemistry than Angelica Houston and Raul Julia as Gomez and Morticia in that Adams Family movie. Seriously, I'll wait. Those two lit the screen and my teenage loins on fire. If you aren't modeling at least one aspect of your current relationship or your potential future relationship on those two, you're not doing your love life correctly. And the new Wednesday show on Netflix also looks pretty good. A lot of people are talking shit about Luis Guzman. But they're trying to get a comic-accurate Gomez Adams, which Luis Guzman looks exactly like him. OG cartoon version, and I love the idea of that. I like that they're going to try and make it gothic, they're going to try and make it funny, but they have to make it different from that Barry Sonnenfeld movie, because that movie was iconic. I like that they're modeling after it just a little bit, though. Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester, by the way, is a really, really nice touch. I think releasing it right before Thanksgiving, as opposed to right before Halloween, is a mistake, but what the fuck do I know from marketing? One thing that is going to come up a surprising amount of times in this whole alphabet thing that I'm going to do is a lot of mistakes that Netflix has made. There's there's quite a list of those, y'all. B is for Bram Stoker, the Irishman who created and literally wrote the book on one of my favorite mythical characters of all time, Dracula. Fun fact, I was a vampire for Halloween 11 years in a row when I was a kid. I insisted on it. Mostly because I liked wearing a cape. It's been way too long since I've worn a cape. 
you know where I store the cape that I have now? Up your button around the corner. Seriously, the more I think back on the shit that I was into, even when I was a kid, the more I realize I never had a chance, man. I was always going to be this person. The character of Dracula is loosely based on Vlad the Impaler, which is maybe the most metal fucking name I've ever heard in my entire life. You would be hard-pressed to find anything involving a vampire that I don't like, particularly in a movie. As long as the vampires don't sparkle, and if you give me shit about that, fuck you. Pattinson doesn't like those movies either. I don't care if it's The Lost Boys, that gothic-ass Dracula movie with Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins, Interview with a Vampire, Nosferatu, What We Do in the Shadows, From Dust Till Dawn. I love all that shit. Extra shout out to anyone that has seen the Eddie Murphy classic Vampire in Brooklyn or the (laughs) killer names here. Dennis Miller, Corey Feldman, Powerhouse, Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. Such good movies, man. Don't watch them. Stephen Moffat, who created Sherlock and was the showrunner for my favorite seasons of Doctor Who, did a three-part series on Dracula for Netflix a couple of years back. I liked it up until the third part. I'm actually kind of surprised that it didn't catch on a little bit more. It was it was good. For C, we're going to go with Carpenter. John motherfucking Carpenter. The man is a national treasure, and there would be no Halloween without him. And I mean literally, he wrote and directed the first Michael Myers Halloween movie. He even wrote that terrifying theme music for it. His director filmography is, seriously, is second to none. Listen to this shit, okay? Halloween, The Thing, They Live, featuring one of the greatest lines in cinema history from Rowdy Roddy Piper, quote, I am here to chew bubblegum and kick some ass, and I am all out of bubblegum. He did Escape from New York. He directed Christine, and he directed one of my all-time favorite movies, Big Trouble in Little China, the Kurt Russell martial arts classic. And he did the underrated, very underrated, In the Mouth of Madness, which was a fucking insane 90s horror movie that I still don't understand. Oh, and by the way, you guys, not only did he direct all those shits, he wrote the motherfucking musical score for all of them. He directed them and wrote the score for them. Nobody else does that. Dude is a psycho fucking genius. All right, D is for Dahmer. I think Stevie Wonder saw this one coming. There is no way... I was going to get out of this episode alive without bringing Dahmer up. I have gotten, and this is true, I have had more people text me asking what I thought about uh, the Dahmer show on Netflix than I had text me for my birthday last year. The bad news, I was away, and then I've been busy catching up on my life since then, so I've only watched two episodes. But that being said, I do have some thoughts. I'm pretty knowledgeable with serial killer stuff, so even though I haven't seen the whole show yet, I will. I do know Jeffrey Dahmer's story pretty well. First, Netflix putting an LGBTQ tag on the show was no bueno. 
who in the Dave Chappelle decided that was a good idea. One of the reasons Dahmer did what he did was his extremely deep-rooted shame for being gay. Another swing and a miss, Netflix. Now, the question of the whole show that everyone is asking, is the program glorifying a serial killer? The show isn't creating any sympathy or empathy. They're not trying to justify his actions. I think that society glorifies serial killers because most of life is lame. It's boring and it's monotonous. And we glorify anyone, good or bad, who break that mold. The shows and documentaries about serial killers, you know, there's tons of both, are kind of a reflection of that. So people thinking that the show glorifying serial killers is, it's kind of getting the cart before the horse. We are interested and maybe even enamored with serial killers. And therefore, there are shows about them of all different kinds. Now, watching lots and lots and lots, and oh my God, you guys have no idea, of documentaries on serial killers over the years, one of the things that I've always kind of thought about that no one really has brought up until recently is how much it must suck for the victim's families seeing all, you know, serial killers be sort sort of kind of, you know, glorified. I, I feel so bad for them. It's tough because is our entertainment worth the like intense and immense pain that these comparatively few people are feeling who have had their lives shattered by these monsters? And we can't stop talking about these people. They're constantly hearing about these monsters that we are so enamored with that make that make these poor, poor victims who lost their loved ones sick. On the other hand, it isn't like the victim's loved ones have forgotten their pain. It never goes away. I'm sure they think about the, the like Dahmer, I'm sure they, the, the victim's families, they think about Dahmer every single day, but having it put right out on Front Street certainly has to compound that pain. So I, I don't know. But one thing I do know is we need to get Evan Peters a massage. We need to encourage him to play with kittens, maybe bake him some muffins. He needs to do some wholesome, wholesome shit. He is incredible in that show. I should feel really bad about saying this, but I don't. I cannot wait to watch more. And when I do finish the show, I am going to come back to it, maybe talk about it a little bit more when I have a bigger picture of the entire entire program. For the letter E, we are going to do Elvira. And I'm not talking about the Oak Ridge Boys song, all right? I am talking about the Mistress of the Dark. She is as awesome as she is wholesome. Elvira is the Dolly Parton of October. And she is on my Mount Rushmore of greatest people. I don't know why she isn't part of that holy group. Bob Ross, Mr. Rogers, Steve Irwin, Dolly Parton, Elvira should be right there with them. Cassandra Peterson, who plays that character of Elvira, she is another amazing example of someone who does one thing perfectly and has never resented it. She does horror cons, photo ops, autographs, 
and makes a killer living doing it. She's so grateful for her fans, every single one of them. And she just recently came out as a lesbian. Suck Elvira's dick, Shatner. And for the letter F, we are going to do... What are we going to do for the letter... It's not even in my fucking notes. The letter F, we're going to do fun-size candy bars. No Halloween is complete without candy. And fun-size candy bars are one of the few things that bridge Halloween as a child and Halloween as an adult. If you haven't overdone it at least once every October or, you know, early November, eating like two dozen of those fun-size Halloween candy shits, chances are I probably don't like you much as a person. And that brings me to my gold star question of the week, which I know is what you guys have missed most of all. What is your favorite and your least favorite Halloween candy? Reach out to me and tell me in your favorite fashion. Slide into my DMs, email me, Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram, obviously at Atomic Skull Podcast, or just shoot me a fucking text. There's only like nine of you listening right now. Just shoot me a fucking text. Tell me what kind of candies you love and what kind of candies for Halloween you hate. I'm really interested to see if some people's trash are other people's treasure. And with that, you guys, I think that F is a perfect letter to fuck off on. And I'm going to be picking back up next week for the ABCs of Halloween with the letter G. And if you think about it, for Halloween, the letter G has a metric shit ton of potential. I want to leave you guys with the song of the week. I had some wicked good Gangsta's Paradise covers for Coolio, May He Rest. Gangsta's Paradise was actually the first rap song I ever learned all the lyrics all the way through. Me and my white-ass friends would always sing it to each other in in class in whatever, whatever grades we were in. I don't even remember. It was the 1930s. But then the great, legendary, beautiful, wonderful, extremely talented Loretta Lynn passed away uh, just this last week. Loretta Lynn, the coal miner's daughter, she is one of my grandpa's all-time favorite country singers. So I gotta go with her. And if we're going with Loretta Lynn, I gotta do my absolute favorite of hers, which is You Ain't Woman Enough. So that is going to be the song of the week, You Ain't Woman Enough by the great Loretta Lynn. I'm going to add that to the Atomic Skull Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Check that out. The list is growing and growing and growing. I did add a song while I was gone, which was Sangria Wine by Jerry Jeff Walker. It's a really great summertime drinking around the beach kind of song. It's one of those very rare happy country drinking songs which is why I wanted to include it. That's kind of the unicorn of music. And that's going to do it for me this week, you guys. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to listen to me yell. As always, I appreciate every single one of you who spend every single minute with me here, especially the ones who make it all the way to the end. Thank you, both of you. I missed you guys. I really did. The second that I posted the last episode, I was already writing notes for this one. I couldn't stay away, even though I had to stay away. I will see you next week. Can't wait to keep getting spooky and getting macabre and being weird and kind of getting away with it. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. How are you doing? (laughs) Ha 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 